I want to kind of talk in this vein uh, today, uh, this stream today. I want to talk about temptation. Ask your neighbor, have they ever been tempted before? Ask somebody around you, have they ever been tempted before? (laughs) Temptation comes at us all. But just because temptation comes at us doesn't mean that we have have to take the bait. In other words, we can announce to the enemy that we are already taken, that there's an authority over our life, and we don't have to fall underneath the temptation, and we can move forward with what God has for our life. And so I want to talk to you today about, about overcoming temptation. And so I've titled today's message, uh, Tempt Me But You Can't Take Me, or Tempted Because I Am Already a Taken. Anybody taken in here? Come on. You did better than the first service. Some people, some people didn't raise their hand. And I, I said, man, if, if you got one of these on your finger in this culture, th- this, this side of your hand, uh, you, you're taken, all right? Come on. Anybody taken in here today? Married people in the house today? So... Again, and literally that's what it means whenever you wear a wedding ring in this culture. That means that, that you are taken and though temptation may come your way, may you be reminded that you have a commitment and you are taken by somebody else and you don't let the temptation sway you away. And lots of us need to learn how to overcome temptation. Temptation is going to come our way, so how do we overcome temptation to move forward with what God has in store for our life. Temptation is a lot like a lure. Do we have anybody who, who likes to bass fish in here today? Huh? Any bass fishermen in here? What do you people do? <laughs> I bet some, there's some fishermen on social media. Come on, somebody. Somebody fishes on a game or something on the phone, right? Come on. So... But, you know, fishing is interesting. I used to go bass fishing back when I was a kid. And actually, when you go bass fishing, what you do is you cast out your line and there's a lure on the end of the line. And the goal is to have a lure that maneuvers through the water just right. So a big old fish will will strike the lure and then you can hook the fish and reel him in and put him in your boat. And, and so, you know, I, I just want you to know today... That we have an enemy that can't take you. He can tempt you. But what he wants you to do is he wants to tempt you. And he wants you to strike the lure so that he can reel you in and reel you away from God. So that you don't fulfill your God potential. And and really, this, this sermon was birthed out of something I said last week in last week's message. So there's a lot of people that say, the devil made me do it. You ever heard that phrase? The devil made me do it. Well, I'm here to make an announcement. That if you have God living in you, the power of the living God living in you, the devil has no authority over your life and he can't make you do anything. He may tempt you, but he can't take you. And and so many people are, Saying the devil made me do it. No, the devil lures you with your own sinful desires. 
Bible says that we're born in this flesh and we all have desires. And if we're not careful, those desires will get off track and not move in a godly way and they'll move in an ungodly way. And what the enemy's temptation is, is to move you away from living life how God would have you to live life and tempt you with, with getting off course with your life. It's what happened in the garden, isn't it? I mean, the first man, the first woman, Adam and Eve, they were tempted. And they had desires. And and the enemy lured their desire and understanding of who God was and his promises and who they were and lured them away from the things of God. And we call that sin, missing the mark of God's glorious standard. And, and, And so the Bible says the enemy tempted the woman and basically told her if she ate from a certain tree that God asked her not to eat from, then, then she would gain wisdom and become like God. And so she, she had a desire and she wanted what the enemy was offering, but God had made them some promises and God was fulfilling his promises in the garden, but their desire basically uh, was, was greater than their discipline. And this is what I want to declare to you today. If you want to fight off temptation, you have to have this thing in your life called discipline. And we're going to talk a little bit about discipline because discipline is your responsibility. God's responsibility is to give us the tools. Our responsibility is to use the discipline and use the tools and not be lured into temptation. So the enemy sets his hook in us and reels us in. And, and, and so the woman was, was lured away from God and his promises to her. The Bible says she looked at the tree and saw it was beautiful. And she thought the, the fruit looked incredible and marvelous. And, and she wanted to gain the wisdom that God had in her own life, though she had all the wisdom she needed in her life from God. And so... This desire led her away from God and and she lacked the discipline in her life to fulfill what God had said for her life. And my friend, that's what sin is. Sin is lack of discipline in your life coming underneath the authority of God and believing God has the best for your life. And so, so many of us go with our desire instead of going with discipline. But what we're going to learn today is how to have this discipline in our life how to exercise a dif- discipline and then move forward with the things that God would have us to move forward with instead of, instead of being uh, led astray or trapped or hooked or however you want to phrase that by the enemy and, and getting off course with the things of God. James chapter 4, if you have your Bibles with you, open it up to James chapter 4. And I'm going to read a, a few verses here. The writer here says, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? I love that, don't you? He he basically challenges the people there. He says, hey, the scriptures that you have, do do you think they have no meaning? No, no, no. What What he's saying is they're full of meaning. Just learn how to operate by the scriptures and if you learn how to operate by the scriptures you're going to become successful in life he says do you think they have no meaning they say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us 
should be faithful to him. Let's say that word faithful together. Faithful. So what is God passionate about? He says if the scriptures have meaning, God is passionate about uh, the spirit he has placed within us. And it should be faithful to him. He, God, he gives grace generously as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So in verse seven, the writer says, so humble. Everybody say humble. He says, humble yourselves before God. And here it is. Resist the devil. And he, he will flee from you. Now, again, if you've ever gone fishing and you got up early in the morning and you fished all day in the hot sun, and the fish weren't biting, you, you get kind of tired and, and worn out and you just want to pack your bags and go home. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? Like, I mean, I've been out here all day fishing. I'm not getting a nibble. And I'm just going to pack it up and I'm going to go home because I'm exhausted. You want to know how to exhaust the devil? Don't take his bait. Don't nibble on his line. Don't, don't go for his lure. And I'm telling you right now, he'll pack his bags and go home because he can't win the temptation over your life. He can tempt you, but he can't take you and he'll pack up and go home. I need to declare to you today, if you are a Christ follower, he has no power over you. He has no authority over you and he can't make you do anything. You need to declare that to the enemy. I am not yours. I'm underneath new management. I'm underneath a new authority. And you know what? I'm going to follow him with my allegiance. So many people are giving themselves over to temptation. Temptation is going to come your way, but it doesn't mean you got to take the bait. I can tell you right now, I can eat more Krispy Kreme donuts than anybody in this room. (laughs) Guaranteed, hands down. We could have a Krispy Kreme donut eating contest. And you know what? I could take anybody. We could go down there. I could eat three dozen before we got back to Main Street. (laughs) But why don't I eat three dozen Krispy Kreme donuts? Because I know the outcome. (laughs) Of eating all that oil and grease and three dozen. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to feel blowed up like a John Deere tractor tire or something. And I'm like, I'm not going to be tempted to, to eat all those donuts because it, it's going to do something to my body. I'm not going to be tempted to, to overeat. And see, see, that's my tendency is to be all in or all out. I'm talking about, my wife tells me that all the time. You're either all in or you're all out. I'm like, there ain't no use in riding the fence. <laughs> Make a commitment. But again, yes, I can eat more donuts than anybody in here. But I don't have to eat the donuts because I know what the donuts are going to do to my life. And so I choose to 
to, to not eat three dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. It's cool if you want a Krispy Kreme in moderation. But we all know that that, that sugar nah, 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 just wants to uh, suck you in and, and makes you just want to dive into them. So how do you fight that off? Discipline. Discipline. You know, the Bible talks a lot about making disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is simply a student or a learner. But it's interesting because the word disciple comes from the same words as discipline. And, and really what a disciple is is someone who, who gets underneath a certain authority and disciplines themselves in such a way to follow that authority with their life and become what that authority says they can become. And, and so I'm inviting you to get under the authority of God. If you want to fight off temptation, you want to say no to the Lord, you don't want to get hooked by the enemy with the temptation that he's putting out in front of you, then here's the deal. Get discipline in your life and come under the authority of God. Know what God says, but don't only know what he says. Wisdom exercises what he says. So that's the difference in knowledge and wisdom. A lot of us got knowledge. Do you know what godly wisdom is? is doing what God says do. That's wisdom. Because God didn't put it down in print for us just to look at. The Bible even says in this same book in James chapter 1, don't just listen to the word. Do what the word says. If you don't, it's like looking at yourself in a mirror and recognizing something's wrong, but not fixing yourself before you go away. And so discipline would be like, hey, I see what the problem is. I fix it before I go out of the house. Now, you know what? I, I have disciplined myself to look at myself. Now I've used wisdom. I did what I corrected what was wrong and I went out and did it. That's what wisdom does. So you need the wisdom of God, but in order to have the wisdom of God, that means you've got to exercise the things of God. And so I just want to give you a, a few quick things, uh, how to put the devil on the run and, and what you need to do in your life. Because again, the devil can't make you do anything. Because you have a new power inside of you if you're a Christ follower. And if you'll learn to submit yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you, then what will happen is the temptation will begin to fade away and you will move forward with the greater things that God has in store for you. Number one, as I wrote down this, if, if I'm going to fight off this temptation, I got to be faithful. It takes discipline to be faithful. A lot of people say they are faithful, but what is faithfulness? Faithfulness is action towards what you have faith in. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, he illustrated that again in chapter 2 of the same letter. He says, he says, faith without works is dead. In other words, he says, even the demons have, uh, they believe in God. But you know what? They don't, they don't do the works of God. They, they, they miss it. In other words, faith, faithfulness has works towards what it believes. And, and, and so if we're going to fight temptation We've got to be faithful. He said it right here in this passage. God is passionate about the spirit he has placed in, uh, in us. And he wants us to be faithful to him. So again, faithfulness takes discipline. Uh, again, 
this, this right here, my commitment I made, and my wife's nine millimeter in this ring keep me faithful <laughs> to my marriage. See, see, in reality, that's why a lot of us are being faithful. Because we're afraid of the nine millimeter. But I need you to understand something today. There's a new covenant. And it's called grace. And it's not the law. To hold you underneath being faithful. The new covenant believer is faithful. Because of the love that has been expressed to it. It loves back like it has been expressed to the heart of the individual and it understands who God is and it doesn't have to remain faithful because there's a nine millimeter. It remains faithful because there's a new spirit birthed inside of the person and they want the things of God. See, see, that's what God's spirit does inside of you. It begins to wage war against the desires of the flesh. The Bible teaches and, and there's a war going on inside of you. Though you desire the Krispy Kremes, you know you shouldn't eat the Krispy Kremes. So what are you going to do? You're going to discipline yourself to follow what you believe God has said, what you believe about the Krispy Kremes, what you believe will b- bring the greater outcome. And then you exercise discipline and you don't eat the Krispy Kremes because you know what the Krispy Kremes are going to do. And you use wisdom and your faithfulness to follow, not being a a glutton and putting something in your body that is going to destroy your body. Here in the South, we like to say the blessing, don't we? Before we eat, my son went to Australia and we made it a practice to say the blessing before all our food. And he went to Australia. It's a whole little different culture. And he's like, they don't ever say the blessing before the food. I'm like, what? I started thinking about it a little bit. I'm like, you know, people in the South are crazy. Because they say the blessing before every meal and ask God to bless the food that's going to go in their body. But have you ever looked on the table of what they're (laughs) putting in their body? And that's crazy. God bless this food to the nourishment of my body. These three dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, they're just going to nourish me. God's like, no, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is not some ritualistic prayer or ritualistic thing that you do. No, no, it's understanding who God is, understanding who he says you are, and having the discipline to walk it out each and every day. Because the enemy, he does come to kill, steal, and destroy. But the only way he can kill, steal, or destroy your future as a Christ follower is for you to keep taking the bait. And so I'm inviting us not to fall into temptation, but ask God to deliver us from the hands of the evil one so that we can move forward with his purpose and plan for our life. And so we got to remain faithful. Number two is this, be humble. Everybody say be humble. But I want you to pay close attention to what it says here in the scripture. It says, so... In verse 7, so humble yourselves before God. Before God, before your creator. Humble yourself before God. 
Not humble yourself before all other people. Not humble yourself before the devil. It says humble yourself before God. What does humility before God look like? It simply means this. Understanding who he is. Understanding who I am. And not elevating myself above other people because he created them just like he created me. And understanding who he says I am, understanding who he says they are, and then walking confidently in it each and every day of my life. Humbling myself before God isn't taking on uh, and, and, and doing something that he didn't create me to do. Being something he didn't create me to be. So when's the last time you asked God what he wanted to do with your life? When's the last time you knelt the knee and said, God, your will, not my will. When's the last time you humbled yourself and said, God, you know what? If you want me to be a part of something greater than myself, then then I need to to root myself down in your house and be a part of your great plan in, in redeeming the world and helping the world know who Jesus is. Because every single believer here, if you have believed in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection, the Bible says God puts his spirit in you. That means he gave you a special gift to to put with other people and not elevate yourself above other people, but see other people around you as your helpmates to move God's mission forward. And, and, And so being humble before God is understanding who God is and understanding who I am. And so many people are not walking in confident humility because because they're not living out who God says that they are. And my friend, having humility before God doesn't mean being the world's doormat. It means understanding who he is, come underneath his authority and discipline yourself each and every day you get out of bed to carry out the plan that he has for your life. Humble yourself, be faithful. And then I also wrote this down. I wrote down, be loyal. I love what it says there in James chapter one. I want to show you about loyalty. It says this in the same letter, James chapter one, verses five says through seven. It says, if you need wisdom, anybody need wisdom in here today? See, see wisdom acts on what it knows. And so if you need wisdom, it's not only knowing the word of God, it's acting on what the word says. If anyone needs wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not, he will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, waver. Do not sway from side to side. He says, for a person with divided loyalty, everybody say that word, loyalty. A person that's loyal in more than one place to one person with their heart is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Know whose you are. 
and know what he says. Know who he is. Know you belong to him. And then ask him generously for the wisdom to do what he has called you to do. And do not waver. Stand audaciously in the plan. Look what it says. It says such people should not expect anything to receive from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable. You know any unstable people? In everything they do. What causes us to be unstable? Lack of loyalty to our great God. And so, again, what is loyalty? Loyalty is knowing the promises of God. And because he promised something, I stay loyal to it in spite of how I feel. See, feelings are what causes so many of us to be unloyal. And by the way, I'm quite a feeler. I I feel. I feel off of people. And, And if I'm not careful, what I'll do, I'll feel the environment. I'll feel the atmosphere. And I'll conform myself to the atmosphere. However, at the same time, I got to feel what God has said. I got to feel who God is. I got to feel who he says I am. I got to walk in the fullness of it. And I can't go with my feelings towards everything else. I have to go with my faithfulness towards my great God. So again, how do you do that? Because too many people are living off of feelings. Feelings. And I got three quick things to help you not live off of feelings. And, and the first one is, is, is simply this, because we need to have discipline over desire. And the first one is this, you need to understand where your power comes from. It doesn't come from yourself. I don't have the power inside of my flesh to discipline myself from my own desires. And again, we all have desires. It's easy to get swayed. It's easy to get pulled away from God's plan for our life. But the only way to get over the desires and the feelings you have, because again, I, them Krispy Kremes, I want them. My flesh desires it. But I know what God's word says about this thing called a gluttony. Okay, I have the knowledge of what gluttony is. But do I have the wisdom not to be a glutton? And the key element there is this thing called discipline. Knowing what God says, having the wisdom to do what he says, the discipline to do what he says, and then and then reap reap what what he says will be the outcome. And so it's that way for every area of your life. We've got all kinds of desires. We're all easily swayed by, by the one who cast out the line and wants to reel us in and make us miss the plan that God has for our life. We call that temptation. But you don't have to be taken by the temptation because you're already taken by who God is and what he did for you on the cross and your belief in the resurrection and you had the very power of the living God living in you. 
And my friends, if you want to have discipline, that means you've got to exercise the power of God inside of you. You've got to pay attention to the teacher, the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity that, you know what, without a shadow of a doubt, lives inside of all of us in this room who are believers. But are you letting him ignite the fire inside of you to give you the discipline? Because that's where your power comes from. It's not self-will, self-help. No, it's discipline in yourself and the things of God because the power of God, the spirit of God speaks to your heart about the knowledge you have from God's word. And now you can have the discipline not to fall into temptation. The, the, the second one is you want to remain loyal is, is not only have the power, but, but practice it. How many of you know practice makes perfect? At least that's what they tell you in football. In other words, the reps. The reps help discipline. Back in the day, when I used to run wind sprints before football practice and do two-a-days and run stadiums and bleachers and do all that kind of stuff, do you think I liked practice? Nobody likes practice. But most of us, we want to hit the shot in the game or score the touchdown in the game. We want to win the game. But the only way to win the game is to discipline yourself in all the practice. And honestly, God has given us many things to practice with our life. But do we do it from the power of God and do we practice the things of God based on what we know about the promises of God? How many of you remember these two guys in the Bible named Joshua and Caleb? Anybody know who they are? You want to know why they entered into God's amazing promises? The promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey? It's because they had the very power of God with them and they practiced the things of God. And, and you know what? They, they hung on to the promises of God. And that's the third thing. If you're really going to discipline yourself, you gotta, you got to hang on to the promises of God. you got to have hope in what God says. But it's interesting because Joshua and Caleb were the only two that were delivered out of bondage in that generation that that, that basically made it into the promises. And you know why all the rest of them didn't make it into the promises? Unfaithfulness. And why were they unfaithful? Feelings. Because the Bible says that God showed them the spies, the promises. There is a land exactly like I says it is with all the provision the Israelites will ever need in it. And he sent a whole host of people to go see it and bring back the good news to the people in the camp. But listen to what the majority said. Joshua and Caleb says, it is as if God says it is. We believe in his promises. But the majority came back and says, said, there's some big people in that land. It is what God says. It's a land flowing with great provision. However, we felt like grasshoppers. And I wish Caleb would have turned to one of them and slapped them in the face and said, listen, if you feel like a grasshopper, stop hop, start hopping back to Egypt. And basically what they were saying is, I don't feel 
like God's promises are from the mouth of God. I'm going to go with my own human desires, my own feelings, and I'm not going to move forward with the things of God because I am going to choose to be unfaithful to what God has said, what God has shown, and what God is going to do. And the Bible says a whole generation of them died because of lack of discipline. They wouldn't follow through with what God had in store for them. And here's the deal. The temptation is still before us, but you don't have to take the bait. Hit the fish beside you, the person beside you, and say, don't take the bait. Tell them, don't take the bait. Remain faithful. Be humble before God. Why in the world would we live a life of unfaithfulness when God has been so faithful to us? It's only because of our fleshly desires. The Bible says there's a war that wages inside of you from the spirit of God in your own fleshly desires. And you got to know how to put the deeds of the flesh. You now got to know how to put them in camping sites. You need to put them to death. Because you need to tell the the deeds of the flesh to stay behind because I'm moving forward with the things of God because God's promises are real and I believe in God's promises. I believe in the fulfillment of his promises. I believe that he's making all things new. I believe in the return of Christ. I don't believe it's going to be like this forever. I'm going to keep moving forward and I'm not going to embrace what I feel. I'm going to embrace what God says. James chapter 5, I'll close with this. Because you need to understand, darkness won't last forever. And hope is on the horizon. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait on the Lord's return. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. Don't you throw in the towel. God is going to fulfill that promise. He is going to return. It says, Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. Be like them. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. And you too, you must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. But my friend, discipline can overcome desire. The very spirit of God living in you is the power. The question is, is do you have the discipline to follow the authority over your life? His name is Jesus. He's God in the flesh, but he has deposited the Holy Spirit in each one of us. And I, I need you to know that that spirit will ignite something inside of you if you will learn just to submit yourself. But your fleshly desire wants to do life your own way. And my friends, you have to learn through a process how to say no to the things of this world and the things that drag you away from God's plan for your life and say yes to God. And the only way to do it is is to submit yourself to the authority of God. See, See, we talk like submission is the plague. 
But, but submission is where life begins. It, it, it's saying, God, I give up trying to make this track my own self. And I know you have a track for me to get on and stay on. And I submit to your authority today. God, I don't understand everything because I'm not God. And God, I don't need to understand everything. All I need to do is learn to hear your voice. I need to learn what my assignment is. I need to learn how to fulfill my calling. And God, I come to you with an earnest heart, a surrendered heart. And by faith, I'm going to take what you deposit in me. And I'm going to let it flow out of me. I discipline myself. That's what being a disciple is. And my friend, all of us can fight off temptation. The devil has no authority over the believer's life. So please stop saying the devil made me do it. It's our own flesh that makes us do it. Learn to put it to death and bring God to life. Because my friends, that is where real life is found through Christ Jesus. Can you bow your heads, please? God, you're an amazing God. And I pray for faithfulness. I pray for humility, God. I pray for loyalty. God, we all have tracks we want to run on. We want to do things our own way. But every human track is proven to be a dead-end street without you as the authority of their life. So God, if there is one here today who has not submitted to you as their creator, their great authority, God, I pray that they could be reunited with you through the sacrifice you made on the cross through Christ Jesus. My friend, that is what salvation is, is reuniting your spirit back to God and letting him put his spirit in you. Letting God speak to you. God coach you. God lead you. God be the authority over you. God show you direction. And apart from God, we are nothing. But God so loved the world. He gave Jesus. He gave us one and only son. So we could be reconnected and have eternal life to him, with him. And my friend, eternal life isn't something just for the future. It can begin right here, right now. And it all starts with admitting you've gone your own way and telling God you submit to his authority today and you believe in his great gift of salvation. The gift is Jesus. When he stretched out his arms and he bled on that cross, he did it because he loved you. And I got to believe today Right here in this service, he sits somebody down because they needed to know the love of God for their life and the love of Christ. My friend, you've been struggling. And you have been trying to do things on your own merit and your own power. And really, instead of doing that, why don't you submit your life to God today? Why don't you try on being a new creation in Christ Jesus? 
Why don't you believe that if God resurrected Jesus from the dead, he could resurrect your circumstance and your situation right now? Say, God, I submit my life to you today. Right where you sit today, if you need to pray this prayer and step into God's presence and be a part of his family, say, I believe you gave Jesus for me. Say, I believe in his resurrection and the same power, God, that lifted him from the grave. I believe is available to me. Tell God, thank you for this good gift. We call it grace because it's unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. But you got it. Tell God thank you. And by faith, you'll submit and follow his will for your life. All the days of your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.